CabanaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. I'm just going to record. All right, let it fly. <laughs> Hi, everybody. This is Brian David Marshall, Sutcliffe.com. <laughs> I'm in Seattle, and uh, we're going to do something. We're, we're going to walk and talk podcast here in Seattle. We are not on the corner of Gay Street. If there were one, we would have gone there. No, but we are on Occidental Avenue. Yeah, which is not to be confused with Accidental Avenue. Yeah. Uh, so, no, thank you. I can't believe it. This just happens. <laughs> we get approached by random homeless people immediately after starting recording. I, I always just thought it was a product of New York, but apparently it's a uh, it's a BDM thing. It is. It's it is. I am a thing. I'm a weirdness magnet. <laughs> so uh, so I, I had to tell you this story. I want to tell it to you on air. Uh-huh. So uh, I don't know if you. We did a podcast, Mike and I did a podcast a couple weeks ago, uh-huh. and as we're going to Joe mm-hmm. on the corner of Waverly yep, and Gay, my favorite coffee place, uh, this guy comes up to us, he's like, hey, BDM, I'm a friend of Marshall's, mm-hmm. I've talked to you on Twitter, Yeah, how's it going? <laughs> I'm like, oh, pretty good, he's like, love this podcast, I'm like, oh, well, we're doing the podcast right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, like, and that was Zach? That was Zach, uh-huh. on, on Twitter, Yeah, and so... Turns out he knows Alex Allman, who I've known since he was a little kid, nerd to the core. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, ended up a, a new group of drafters. Oh, that's great. In New York. Uh, I had thought he was just visiting when he had said he was a friend of yours. I assumed he was from Seattle. He, he is. He, he technically is, though. Right. Since I've met him, he's been in New York. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, we did a Scars of Muradin full block Old draft. School. That's old school now, by the way. That's old school yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> That's like last week to me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that you knew yeah, that that was old school for yeah. people listening. So, you know, it was pretty cool. You know, we had, we had fun. Uh-huh. Um, but I thought this was kind of funny. It was one of the guys, this guy Rob, who was in the draft, had never drafted Scars of Mirrodin before. Ooh. Ooh, that's rough. Football. Well, fortunately for him... He had an excellent resource that he could go to, <laughs> a limited resource. Yes. So he's we, like, we were actively podcasting during that time. Who's your co-host at that point? Was uh, that still Locks? Probably, that was like right in between Ryan and Locks. Okay. Yeah. So it could have been either. Yeah. You you go through them like some people go through wives. It's not me. It's wizards. <laughs> <laughs> they steal them away from me in the night, and I'm just like left homeless by myself. <laughs> so uh, so anyway, so Rob listened to. Your review. Oh, okay. You know, he went through, like, your draft block. I guess you did a recap of, like, all the archetypes. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, he ended up in a challenging archetype in the format. He ended up in Red White Poison. Oh, yeah. I remember Red White Poison. So... I remember that one. That was a niche archetype. It was tough to get, but it was sweet if you got it. So we're drafting... By the the way, every opponent I played was playing Poison. Oh, really? I played Green Green Blue Poison... (laughs) Green black poison, white green poison, and red white poison. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Everyone was an infect deck. Yeah, that's it's the easy deck to see in that format. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. And it was there. I mean, it was certainly there, right? There were like what were the two one flyers? Uh, the white one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can't, it's a bird of something. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. Like they were. Yeah, they were there, and you know, I was like, kind of like, do I take that or do I take? This actual good white card, I'll take the good white card. Right, because because you guys were drafting in reverse order, yeah. right? So you're opening. Uh, uh, I was opening. Ele- I was opening Elish Nord. 
You were only that much snoring. So you were clearly playing correctly. <laughs> what about your opponents? Did they manage to play as correctly as you? Uh, so the only person I lost to was uh, I lost to Zach. Uh-huh. He was green-white poison. His deck was insane. He had the big fatty poison guys? Yeah, he had the big fatty poison guys. He had, like, the the uh, the X-Bell giant growth. He also oh, had a, yeah, yeah. He also that, had a white sun zenith. That thing was just a game-ender. In case the game went long. We're trying to figure out where you I'm, parked I'm, your I'm car. for where my car might or might not be. I'm definitely over on the meter, so this could this this podcast could have a tragic ending <laughs> potentially. Um, but I actually can't remember. The opposite the of value. Yeah, it's non-value for sure. Where do you think you parked? Huh? Not in a lot. You parked on the street. Oh, I parked on the street. That's why we have to go back because I'm already half an hour over the meter anyway. So this could be a double whammy. But I'm going to find it because I know where I was roughly. So anyway, so I'm, play, I'm playing Rob. Rob's playing Red White Poison. Uh-huh. And he says, you know, it's like, oh, you know, your deck seems, I think your deck seems okay. Your deck seems, you know, he was worried when we were going into the draft. Uh-huh. And I was like, uh, he's like, well, you know, he's like, I remember, you know, I'm listening to the Limited Resources podcast. Uh-huh. And, you know, they talked about the Red White Infect deck. And, you know, they, they stressed that you needed to get all your Infect guys in the first two packs. Yeah, because there's nothing. <laughs> they didn't have them yet. Right, no, there scars. are no white infect creatures and yeah, scars. They're... There's no red infect creatures and scars. There's just some red removal, some white removal. That I was guess. one of the plot twists that we had with that was like, oh, white gets a bunch of sweet infectors. There's only, there's like very, very little right. you know, outside of those other two packs. So, uh, and so, and that's more or less what happened to him. No. <laughs> so, so he didn't, he didn't pick up the requisite number in the first He just, two I packs. mean, he got, he kind of got there, you know, like he had the red, the boar. Remember that red? Yeah, the two one uh, first strike. No, board. no, no. Well, he had that one, and then uh-huh. he also had the, the the one that's like an O four. Oh, and, and you can pump it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh huh. But that one was fun. But he was a little. He was just a little short, and so uh, when I beat him in each game, I was like at seven poison <laughs> and like nine life. <laughs> <laughs> in other words, the absolute worst case scenario. Yeah, the the mixed bag. It yeah. was just like at some point you, you get got to five just cards in your library, like yeah. you're trying to build your. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I, I I used to live for the trifecta in that format. Oh, I know, I know how your brain thinks. Vito. The trifecta, the trifecta. I play, uh, I play commander against you, Mister Carnception over here. <laughs> the, the trifecta is when you get to deck someone, poison them, and deal twenty damage all on the same attack step. Yeah, that's. I, have you ever seen it happen? I, you know, I almost had it. Ha- I almost did it to someone, and then they conceded. In response, oh, they wouldn't let me do it. That's well, it's probably pretty reasonable. Yeah, I'm no, a little it was, disappointed. I mean, about it. the 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 amount of taunting I was doing <laughs> as we approached the trifecta. This was a live game. Yeah, this was a live game. I just always assume you're on Magic Online. No, no, I play most of my Magic live, honestly. Oh, is that right? Yeah. You've transitioned. No, I've. I, I mean, I play a fair amount of Magic Online, but like, I don't really count it. Oh man, I think I'm like 80, 20. Like I play Magic Online every day. I guess I do, I too. Play, I play live magic against you. <laughs> <laughs> like when we're at an event. That's the main thing I do. Uh, I love live magic. I'm not going to make you walk up this hill anymore. That's okay. Don't think my car is up on it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, then that's good. This is going to get interesting. But I will find it. So, I, uh, so let me ask you a question. You're doing, you're doing a lot of Grand Prix now. I am. You're just like mono traveling. I am. Are you going to play in any PTQs this season? So, 
I've been trying to figure out, I want to. I really, like, every time I miss one, I just, so, I mean, I'm sure you know how this is, but, I, like, I so, do. so I'm, I'm playing PTQs, and I started playing GPs, right, and, I, and I'm, like, climbing up this ladder, getting more comfortable with, with bigger tournaments, kind of getting all the initial stuff out of the way with, like, the rules and the procedures where I just don't have to think about that stuff anymore, and getting pretty comfortable with it, and then I go down to GP Austin, and I have a reasonable finish in the GP, and I'm like, okay, like, confidence booster, we're going, and then I talk to you, and now, <laughs> thanks to you, mainly, I'm now doing coverage a lot, which, of course, has been, like, a great, great thing for me, like, wouldn't trade it, but, man, it just means that, like, I'm completely off the train when it comes to uh, attempting to play PTQs and stuff, and it feels like I never get to play them anymore. The last one I played was Return to Ravnica. Wow. So it's been a year wow. since I played a PTQ. And on top of it, the PTQs suck now. They're like 300 people. Well, especially in Seattle. Seattle, they're just yeah. huge. And they're like, I think the last PTQ I played in was in Seattle. Oh, yeah. I remember. You, yeah. That was standard. I played yeah. that one, too. Yeah. Yeah, so you're way you're way far off too because you were playing like Quirion or oh my god, Quirion Dryad, Quirin Dryad. Yeah. Quirin Dryad Delver. Yeah, I remember that. That, that was, was sweet. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so anyway, but I am trying to figure out. Like I gotta say, it's it's been a little frustrating because ever since uh, we've made the change to the store level PTQs, it has become more difficult for me to figure out. Oh, because you don't. Yeah. Because in the past, when it was like tournament organizer based you knew that it would be at yes. the, the campus. Right. It's always in the same thing, and yeah. I knew the website, and it was just really easy to figure out when there was a PTQ. And now it's like, I think there's a page on, on Wizards, I've been told, that like is fairly <laughs> up to date, but like MTG Mom's gone, and like I just feel like I'm a little lost, and somebody from here, like when I'm home, will be Get like, it. hey, are you going to the PTQ tomorrow? And I'm like, tomorrow? Crap! You know, like I didn't know there was one. I, I would have gone. All right. So, so here's the question. You're playing, so someone says tomorrow and it's a standard PTQ, uh -huh. you're probably not going to go, right? Like in the sense that you, when you go to PTQ, you want to be prepared. Yes. You want to know your deck. You want to yes. have your cards. How, that's, much, that's how, much, exactly how right. much lead time do you want for a PTQ? Three or four days would be perfect. Oh, really? So, yeah. So here's how it works for me. If it's limited, eh, I'm, you're just gonna I'm go. good because I, I, I play that almost exclusively anyway. Right. But if it's not then the way that I, like, I'm a reasonable constructive player, but not a good one. And so what it, what it ends up happening for me is that I need to... Uh, we found Marshall's we, car. We did. We have a visual on it. <laughs> Hopefully it'll still be there by the time Doing I Doing a tow truck scan. Yeah. <laughs> and, and when we get there, we'll see if I got a ticket. But, but the, the thing that, the way that I approach constructed, because it is what has worked for me, is I have to find a deck that I'm reasonable with and that I like, and then... I jam the hell out of it on right. Magic Online. I just play over and over and over and over, and it's like, I wish I was good enough to be able to just like get the deck and know all the interactions and see stuff ahead of time, but I'm not. Right, to do the to do the so-called play testing in my mind yes, that, like, that Gadiel Slifer did at yeah, Grand Prix you Columbus. You just stare at the cards for half an hour, and you're like, <laughs> we're good to go. Yeah, I get no, it. I, I can't be that guy, so I have to actually just play. And then I can get pretty good. Like, my ceiling's reasonable with it, but, man, when I start out, I'll make mistakes over and over and over, so I need to, to magic online the heck out of it in order to actually make it work. And uh, so, but, uh, but after three or four days, I feel like I can play enough matches to be competent, but not to be great. Like, right. you know, I would need two weeks or something to be good, because it's just me. I mean, I can ask my friends, but... 
we get in the car? Uh, we can keep walking. Yeah, we can also keep walking. Can I get a ticket? Doesn't look hey. like you did. No ticket. Storm one. All right, I'm gonna buy like half I'm taking a picture of your windshield <laughs> without a ticket. That's exciting. What about you? You've actually played on the Pro Tour. Why aren't, why aren't you playing more? I mean, it's the same reason, right? Like, yeah, you're it's, in the it's, same boat. It's I am. the same but boat. You have a full time job, too. Uh, yeah, I mean, a couple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. um, yeah, it's difficult. Like, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to a Magic event, like, it's hard for me to justify, like, it's hard enough for me to justify the weekends to do coverage. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. so, like, to then say, like, like Grand Prix Sacramento is like, I really want to go uh -huh. and play. Um, but that month, I'm working Grand Prix Vancouver. Uh-huh. I, my dad's, like, millionth birthday. Because <laughs> my dad's a million. Uh-huh. Uh, is that month. Uh -huh. So I, like, have to go to Florida at the beginning of January. Yep. And so now you're, you're two traveling yeah. already within one month. Right. I have been successfully married for 20 years. Uh-huh. And part of that is, you know, finding some number of weekends to spend with my wife. Right. And to know when to, to take your foot <laughs> off the right. gas. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's difficult. Like, you know, so like to get away for Grand Prix Sacramento is going to be challenging. Right. Yeah. For me, it's, it's like one of these things where it's just like, well, like last, this, yesterday I got home from, from Grand Prix uh, Dallas-Fort Worth. <laughs> and it was just a nightmare, right? I mean, I'm just, just... In, in airports the whole weekend and I missed half of the thing because I was stuck. And it's like the, the prospect of just like jumping on another airplane. Like, here's the thing. It's Monday. Right. Oh. Coney Island Whitefish. Coney Island Whitefish. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Better if I can take a picture of that yeah, for the cover no, of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, uh, uh, so it's Monday, right? Yeah. And like, if you ask me today, like, go to the GP on this next weekend, I, I don't think there is one, but you know, like, I would be like, no, dude, no. And then Tuesday would be like, eh, I don't think so. And Wednesday, you know, well, let me look at flights. And by Friday, right. I'm like, I couldn't wait to go. You know, right, like, right, my, right. my batteries recharge very quickly, right. even after like a disastrous travel weekend right. like this. It just doesn't really phase me at this point. So, like, the hard part is planning ahead. I'm just awful. I'm so bad. Like, if I want to plan a GP, the biggest barrier for me is just deciding I'm not working this one and I want to play in this one. Right. So let's get online and start ordering some tickets and some right. hotel rooms and start talking to people. Right, right, right. Because, well, man, I'm just bad at that. Yeah. I just, I need an assistant, like, more right. than anybody <laughs> in the whole world. <laughs> and then, well, and the opportunity, I mean, then that's part of, I think this is the Thai restaurant we were supposed to have found earlier. Oh, there is one. Yeah, that might be it. Uh, the opportunity cost of going to a GP, like, you know, at some point, you know, I mean, I, I guess this is not something we're supposed to talk about, yeah, well. but like, you know how hard it is yes. for like Luis Scott Vargas, right. arguably, you know, one of the best 10 players to ever play Magic, uh -huh. to go to a GP and even day two at this point. Right. And and not, and not dismay, right? Like, this is someone who has a very demanding full-time job all of a sudden, mm -hmm. uh, you know, is has been married for a long time. Right. You know, has, you know, you know, it, it, magic certainly seems to have, uh, you know, taken a little, not, I don't want to even say a back seat, mm -hmm. but, you know, like, I think the intrusion of the real world into his life yeah. has certainly taken its toll on his ability 
to be as prepared for events as he wants I to be. I think he would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, if, if you just take his life before and then slice out 40 to 50 hours a week, yeah. like, there's just not that much left for, for that kind of stuff. Right. It's just, and it's like that for us, too. I mean, the other problem is, like, I'm a realist, right? Like, when I play poker, for example, right, I play cash games. I play the same thing over and over and over again because I know the longer I play, the more I can... If I'm good enough, the more I can make, right? Right. When it comes to tournaments, which is what Magic is based on, there's no such thing as a cash game for Magic where you can right. just sort of keep playing and show that you're consistently good. It's about getting, putting all the pieces together and making one really deep run in one event. Right. You know, it's like, so let's say I top eight the GP. Would I be proud and happy? Oh my God, yes. I would love to, I would love to yeah. top eight the GP. Yeah, I think that would just be fantastic. And if I got an invite, That'd be sweet. I mean, right. I talked to our coverage bosses. I said, well, what if that happened? They're like, go for it. Like, yeah, yeah, battle. yeah. It's just great for coverage. Yeah. It's good for credibility. And, like, it's just a good thing, right? They were like, go for it. Yeah. They're <laughs> like, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, no problem. <laughs> so, but, but the problem, of course, is, is that then what? Right? Right. Like, so now I've top four to GP. But like myself on the back. I mean, so like, here, here's I'm not the thing. Parlay it into five great GP finishes and then a spot on the train. Sure. Well, here's the thing, though. Most players who play on the pro tour are not going to do that. Right. And like, I think for a lot of people listening, a lot of people who listen to your podcast, a lot of people who listen to this podcast, like to get to a pro tour. Yeah. Is an accomplishment in and of itself. For me, it would be. A, I mean, realistically, it would be a, a magic career defining. Right. Like. Just to be able to say, I, I queued for the PT. Right. Because at this point, and I mean, there's been a lot spoken, and, and this, I, I always consider the pro point stuff kind of in flux. Like, it's always being changed. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. OP says this is, you know, the way we do it now. And, and I think that's a testament to them. But it's damn hard <laughs> to be a full-time Magic player or to be on the train. Yeah. It is so rough. Because I look at the guys who are either on it or even maybe have just fallen off, and they're, like, a lot better than me, and they spend a lot more time actually playing. Yeah. It's just, it's pretty daunting these it's, days. It's, you know, I, I secretly think Paul Rietzel uh-huh. might just be the best player in the yeah, history of Magic. Yeah, he's a superhuman guy he, he, might be he has player. that job. He, he's had a full-time job for forever. Yeah. He, like, flies into Pro Tours, like, yeah. the day before. Yes, he, like, red eyes in. Yeah. And then just calmly top eights like a boss. Flies home from GPs on the Sunday night, flies yeah. in Friday late. Yep. Like, it's kind of ridiculous yeah. how hard that is to do. Yeah. He's he's on my Hall of Fame ballot for next year for sure. Oh yeah, the fourth after, the fourth top eight, top eight was... that, Like I almost, I actually ended up voting for four people. Oh wow! I didn't do the full five. I just felt like there was a, a fairly hard cut there, and so I, I I cut it there. I had my reasoning. Paul was just on the border. Did of you that. vote for Mahara? No, but I I think that's more on me than on him. Okay. Um. You know, look, I'm a realist, right? Like, I don't know everything about every player. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, and I don't pretend to. And Mahara is somebody who I haven't had as much exposure to. And I looked at his numbers, and they looked really good. But I'm gun-shy, man. Sure. Because like, I've had people that are like, oh, this guy's a shoe in And then I talk to people, and they're like, oh, Savage is cheater in the world. Like, you never look. <laughs> and I'm like, how do I know that, right? Now, oh, obviously, Mahara is not, that's that's a very not different, the case. That's a very different Japanese player you're thinking of. Yeah, man. I know, right? And, <laughs> and so, you know, for me, it's just like, I like I really feel like I want to see people play. Like, yeah. Huey's a great example, right? Like, he's somebody who I didn't have a vote uh, the first time he was up or the second or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but he didn't get voted in, and he had the resume for it. Right. And it's like now you, people got to see him play and see him out, and now he picks up votes. It's, it's, it's weird, though. Like, there's also, like, I know everyone wants to be perfectly agnostic about their Hall of Fame vote. Right. But at the same time, I think there was a point where there were voters who certainly didn't think Billy would have appreciated a Hall of Fame vote. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like there's, there's, there's this, there's this kind of fuzzy, warm component that you can't sort of spreadsheet. Yeah. About the Hall of Fame, like in terms of like being an advocate for magic. Right. And about like, and and yeah, it should, we call that community contribution, sure. which is like the most vague. It is. It is super you know, vague. Non-term ever. It's super vague, but it's like it's there. Right? Yeah. It's like it is part of it, and I think that. You know, there was no way at some at one point to really understand Huey's like how much it would mean to him yeah. to be there and how much like I don't know gas was still in that tank. Yeah. Well, I mean, now he's just he's in full. It took him a little while to kind of shake the rust off, and now he's just a <laughs> yes. beast. Like he's just insane because he's at every event and he does well at every single like. Yeah. He's just incredible. Right. The, the stuff he's right, I mean, he you know, top 64 the Pro Tour, right? Like, yeah. so he's, yeah, I mean, he's legitimately just an excellent top tier player these days. It's interesting, you know, the first interaction that I ever had with him wasn't a personal one, it was on a podcast. Oh, really? It was on Rob's, uh, it was called Meta Magic at the time. Okay. And he actually, you know, Rob kind of took him, took his case on and was like, look, this guy should be in. Right, and he right. had met him and, and said, like, this guy wants to be in and he deserves it. And so he took him on his show to let Huey kind of, you know, soapbox a little about, like, well, what would it mean to you and that kind of stuff. And, I mean, I was just really impressed by his demeanor. And, you know, he was relatively humble. He was like, it would mean so much to me. You know, I've, I've put so much of my life into this game and, and getting that back. And then the thing that really pushed me over the edge, though, was the fact that he was willing to put up, right? He didn't just talk about it. He right. started playing Magic. Right, he right, came right. out to small events, big events, anything to get his face out there and showed us that he still had it. Right. And of course he he like wins the GP the week well, after he gets voted in. So he goes he goes to like a Star City Open mm-hmm. and you get you get like offered Billy versus the field. Like what kind of odds do you need? I mean to top 8 like I mean he did what 5 in a <laughs> row? Like it is absolutely insane. I mean he's clearly still not like an actual money favorite to top 8, but he's closer than anybody. 5 in a row is just like you're not just running good at that point, and I, I, it, it's. Yeah. I yeah, mean, this, it's yeah, I mean, I mean, this is this is a guy that Kai and Finkel and Bob Marr and you know the the Nassif, yeah, the, this sort of short list of players that you know by one name, right? John, Kai, Gabe, Bob, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. The, this is the guy that they're like, no, this guy is one of the best of all time, right? And I, I love, I just love that he's having success now too, because like it's easy to say that kind of stuff to people that don't know him, can never see him right. play, right. and just be like, well, I guess I'll just take your word for it. This guy, like we can see John come out to the to the pro tours and crush people still, and just right. be like, does anybody still want to argue? You know, yeah. like does anybody have anything to say? Because he just still smashes right. every single I, time. So I never understand. You know, you you see, like I call them the shuffler truthers, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> Those are enemies of my podcast, yeah. by the way. Yeah. You know, people who just have this, like, like just refusal mm-hmm. to acknowledge. Like, they just feel like they deserve some sort of, like, I don't know what. I, know what I don't even mean. know what I they know. think they deserve. But they really think that magic is this luck game. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There's luck in magic. Right. But when you watch a Bob play, when you watch, 
you know, Billy Jensen play, when you watch John Finkel play, when you see them just be successful. Hey, look, a jaywalker. Wow, that was also a horn. Yeah. You are having a profound effect on the downtown <laughs> Seattle area because we don't do horns and we don't do jaywalking. Yeah, well, that guy was jaywalking and, and they honked at him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. This is you. <laughs> Coney Island Whitefish. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's getting a little creepy. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I know the type of person you're talking about. I, you know, people are like who, who just talk about like the lucky run Luis had. Yeah. Oh, I saw some of that. I, <laughs> I was I had to laugh when I saw that because I mean that was just that was absurd to such an extreme level right like you I mean we've had the opportunity to talk to Luis about magic and like the processing power of his brain it's for for a, a magic game stay like it's something that that Josh Utterlayton talked about yeah in the Hall of Fame videos I did right you know or I guess that we both did actually. yeah yeah you, uh -huh. I you did conducted some of those also I helped you out with it yeah yeah and uh, and Josh was like talking about how like. He just like is puzzling over some game state for ten minutes, and like Luis will walk by and like, okay, well, bolt the bird, attack for two. Then right. he has to say keep his guy back, and right. you know, and he can do that in such you know for for people just that are instantly. big fans of of Luis's commentary, like his personality is obviously a big part of it. He's a likable yeah. guy, but this skill that he possesses, it's. I mean, it's not unique in Magic, but he's one of the very, very, very few that has that innate, intuitive ability to decipher board states in half of a second. Right. I mean, like, think about well, it. Like, I think if, the if trick. You play I think a lot of Magic, especially like if you play a lot of like a limited format, you'll get to the point where you can do that on relatively basic right. board states. Luis can do that on almost any board state, almost instantaneously. Right. And and the thing the thing that's amazing about it is his ability to articulate it. Yeah. Because you know. Yeah. Translating so, that's difficult. So, so John Finkel easily. The, I, to my mind, the best magic player of all time. Uh -huh. Shit at talking about magic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those because he doesn't because he doesn't like he just doesn't rock that there's decisions, right? Because <laughs> he's already made. He's like, just like 15. he's like this is this is the correct play, uh -huh. and like so, you know, the idea that you might go through some decision tree to get there mm -hmm. is just not something that he even yeah. understands. And I mean, and Luis it's does just noise. understand it. It's just noise thing. But he's like that too, in the sense that like he can articulate it, Luis, but he also sees it that same way where it's like, he's already made so many more decisions than you have by the time you get to the point of actually making a decision. Right, yeah. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's always amazing to me that people, you know, look at magic and just, you know, are like, you know, the shuffler's not random. Right. The, you know, it's like no, it's yeah. the blame worth crowd. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I just I feel like the, the people like that, generally speaking, just tend to relate things to themselves personally. Like they well, can't like accept the, the fact that John Finkel is like just a ridiculously good magic player, or, and or, that they're probably not. Or the idea that somehow their physical shuffle is less random. Yeah, right, as they pile <laughs> shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, if you've ever, you know. I, you know, this is the same person who then picks up your deck to show you the bottom card of your library to decide who goes first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just a that's just a classic gamer mistake, though, right? Is focusing on the things that you cannot control as opposed to the things that you can. I mean, right. it's a simple statement to make, but it is shocking how many people just put tons of emotional and intellectual energy into things that are completely out of their hands. It's like, 
I don't, it, it's just very weird to think that somebody would do that over and over and over. It's human nature to do it initially, right? but at some point you have to get it through your head that that is wasted energy and that you're not spending on the things that but, you need to. But it, it is kind of like conspiracy theory thinking, right? Yes, so it, like if you, if you subscribe to some kind of crazy conspiracy theory and it all is predicated on some, like you have some faith center of your brain, right? Uh -huh. Like people, people have this part of their brain that's capable of accepting certain things blindly. Right. I'm not going to say what that is, but you people know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> right? Despite the fact that there's no logical evidence right. to support this, you're like, right. well, <laughs> I have faith that this thing is true. Yes. <laughs> right? And therefore, I'll make all these decisions in my life based on that. Right. Right? People, but other people have warped that part of their brain. Mm -hmm. I feel like they still use it. They're like, well, every pope has been a Jew. <laughs> right? And this is an immutable fact. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so, uh, you know, they, you know, and, and therefore something happens uh -huh. and they, they process it with this kernel of truth right. that is lodged, you know, Deep. a jagged yeah. piece of twisted metal <laughs> wedged into a tumor in their brain. <laughs> Shrapnel tumor of knowledge here. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, like, so if you just just blindly accept that magic is only a luck-based game, uh -huh. then you're just very unlucky. Right. And, and that's a very comforting thought. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's funny. Like, I've had situations where, like, uh, somebody was watching me play magic, right? And I am grinding out a decision. And it's just this minute thing, but I'm just, like, really just trying to make sure I get the most possible here. And they'll be like, why are you, like, dude, you're going to lose this game. They're like, what, do you think you're going to win this game? And I'm like, no, I'm like 5% to win this game, but I'm trying to make it six, <laughs> right? Like, I'm trying to get, like, the, the, and they just didn't understand that just because I, just because I knew that I was very, very likely to lose a game, that that didn't mean that I just checked out and right. stopped paying attention, right? And there's like, th there is definitely a dividing line on people that will be like, I am putting my focus on this actionable decision that could actually affect, uh, affect the outcome of the game on some level. It right. might be big, it might be small, versus the people that are like, crap, I'm gonna lose and I'm really unhappy about that. Right, and when you, you talk about playing poker, I mean, also like, mm -hmm. don't you, if you're playing someone that you're likely to play again. Yes. Right, someone who's, who you compete with in, in like drafts at local events yeah. or someone that you might play in the top eight of a PTQ or right. like, don't you also wanna like understand information about how they conduct themselves yes like don't you want to don't you want to not give stuff away about how you conduct yourself like right i, I don't know like i, I feel like there's small value edges, in, buddy. yeah yeah there are yeah. there are small things to be gained those count who's your who's your uh who's your nemesis who's your magic nemesis like when you going back to your ptq days like was there someone that you would always uh, just it be wasn't like, necessarily ptqs but at the local shop you know kenji New month. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's my nemesis because he's sure. better than me. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah, he's really good magic player, and especially then when I was still learning, like he wouldn't come often, but every time he did, he beat me. And yeah. I'm just do like, you, come do, on. Do you know Kevin on? Uh, yeah, I, I know him from Twitter. Okay, Kev, yeah. Kevin. Kevin has recently become a giant Kenji groupie. Oh, he is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> he likes. He, he likes Kenji's self-deprecating Asian humor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Kenji's. I actually had him on the podcast last week. Uh, normal podcast partner Brian Wong was in uh, was in Mexico hanging out. Oh, that's why I had Kenji come tough, to fill. Tough on. life. Yeah, rough life for for him. But he's back now in uh, in cold Seattle where we're at. Now. Oh, is that the thing where he was talking about going Twitter Twitter silent yeah, for a week? That was it. Yep. I got it. Just getting him on Twitter at all. 
Yeah. Brian. Yeah. That was an act of God. He's pretty good on Twitter, though. He's I mean, totally I fine. Yeah. He's, I, a, he's a good follow. You know, he doesn't overdo it. He doesn't I like, know, smash I, retweets or anything. I respect his musical uh, mm. opinions. Are we going to talk about music because Mike's not here? <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can talk about music. I'd be happy to. But we, we can't you know, talk we, about basketball. What? Yeah, well, both of us can't talk about yeah, basketball. Yeah. Mike and I can't talk about basketball. Like, I'm not going to say that I'm at an all-time low with basketball because basketball's been a love affair for a lifetime for me. Yeah, yeah. But we had a separation. Yeah. Uh, you know, because if it, I could ask any of these people walking by in Seattle about in 2008 when we lost the Sonics and it was a devastating blow to the city and to me personally, and I gave up on the NBA for a while. It was about three or four years. I was yeah. just like, I'm done here. Um, but recently came back. And uh, I picked up the, the Brooklyn Nets when they moved over to Brooklyn because it was kind of a fresh start and they had, like, a cool thing going on. And I liked the team. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> things you, have not gone you, well you, since you, then. You may actually have a worse owner and GM than yes. the Knicks. Yes. We, we can have a fight. We can, <laughs> yeah. like, we can put battle bots and get him in the ring. <laughs> and Billy King's, like, floundering around in the corner. Both, both of those guys would max contract a one-legged battle bot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, button's broken, but otherwise it's great. Sure, sign him up. Like, oh, BattleBot? No I will trade you five Moto first-round draft picks. Yes. <laughs> yeah, basketball's been been super rough for both of our teams, unfortunately. Yeah. Like, I, 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 the funny thing about it is I think Melo's playing the best basketball of his career. He's terrible. I don't even know he's, why you like him. He's, he's playing the best basketball of his career. I mean, you ever hear the announcers talk? Like, any of the ex-NBA players are like, yeah, no, I don't want to play with him. They had Charles Barkley in the booth. Well, Charles, Charles Barkley, first of all, like Charles, Charles Barkley doesn't. Charles Barkley <laughs> hates the New York teams. But Charles, yeah. first of all, here's the thing about Charles Barkley that killed me during that game. Did you watch the whole I game? I did. Yeah. He's like, they're like, he's like, oh, you know, he doesn't watch basketball when he's not in the booth. No, he doesn't. So he's like, they're like, what do you do when you're in the studio? He's like, oh, I watch The Mentalist. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> he's like, I used to watch Person of Interest, I heard him say but they that. moved that to another night. Yeah. And then. And then, like, as he's saying that, like, I don't know, like, Reggie Evans just, like, clanks, like, this is, and he's like, and he's just like, I wish I was watching CBS right now. Yeah, that's what he's <laughs> That was a classic. Like, he may never be in the booth again, but it might be worth it. That was a fantastic line. And Reggie Evans doesn't shoot. Don't even. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> they took that away from him a while ago. Yeah, it might have been, it might have been, like, Tyshawn Taylor. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, at the end our, of the our game, nearly starting guard, Taylor, <laughs> at this point. And at the end of the game, it was like both teams had emptied their benches. The Knicks had a toothless Cole Aldrich at center. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, he's just, like, missing a front tooth for no real, like, wait, he went, it's not like he's, he's played. He's in the NBA. He's not like he's played any games. Right. <laughs> and how does he not have a front tooth? Torre Murray and, like, for the Knicks and, like, Dino Udra. Yes. And then you guys had, like, Tyshawn Taylor yep. and people and lesser names. Yeah, we had uh, Toledovich. You know, <laughs> he he put up like 18 the other day, and we we're like, all right, we've got him. <laughs> yeah, I think that like almost every combination of lineups has been on the floor now. Yeah, we really are missing. I'm going to say this slowly for you. Yeah, yeah. Darren Williams. Yeah, yeah. Dagwood. <laughs> Daron. Dagwood. Dagwood Williams. Not Denarius Williams. <laughs> Daron, Daron, Dagwood, Dagwood, whatever. Darren Williams. But you know what? You know the really hard thing for me about this season is I was really bummed after the Celtics trade, but then people got me hyped up. They're like, no, they're going to be good. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm excited now. We're going to, like, make a run at this thing, right? Like, luxury tax be damned. We're doing this. Right. 
but I've always hated KG. Like, I've oh, always yeah. hated the way he plays. I cannot stand his brand of basketball. I hate it when he jumps up and blocks people taking the extra shot. Like, get off of your, like, shit, just sit there. How, you're do, how do you feel energy. about moving screens? Yeah, well, yeah, they've been uh, highlighted for sure for me. But, you know, every time he shoots, I cringe. Like, yeah. he's not even an awful shooter. Right. But, like, why? I don't understand why we're even, like, bothering with him shooting in any capacity whatsoever. And Paul Pierce is somebody who I respect but would rather not have on the team. Uh, Paul, Paul Pierce, here's the thing. Here's how I know Paul Pierce is good. Uh-huh. It's because anytime he has the basketball, I'm terrified. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm but here, but this is this is, puts a perfect explanation on Paul Pierce. So, uh, from the other side, feel the exact same way. <laughs> Every time he has it, I'm like, oh, God. What is he going to do? Is it going to be a you know like a falling one-legged leaning, you know, try to draw a foul shot, or is he just going to like go by a guy right. and make it look like he's yawning on the way? Right. right. He's so good at handling the ball, getting the shot that he wants, but man, he takes some pretty sketchy shots. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. When you have a team stack like that, like Brook Lopez is ridiculous. Like you just give him the ball, he can he can score, but you need to get him touches. And I think he's the best player on that team. Him or Darren? I think he's better than Darren. I he might be. He might be. Yeah, I mean, you could make that I, argument. I, I, I think... He's like, what, best or second best? He's like the best offensive center in the league. <laughs> Which... Best center in the league is Tyson Chandler. Um, I best mean, center, not necessarily offensive I understand. Center. Yeah, I mean, this is the, the, the Flores school of thought. Yeah. I get it. Like, I'm normally on board yeah. with him. I'd prefer my center to be able to be a little bit more of an offensive yeah. threat, but I can see what you're saying. Like... Every team in the entire league would kill to have Tyson Chandler, yeah, yeah, yeah. broken leg or not, yeah, on yeah. their team. Yeah. yeah, he practiced the other day. He did. Yeah, we might get him back in January. <laughs> Godspeed. But whatever. I, like he, the thing. I mean, other than the Celtics game, the uh-huh. Knicks haven't gotten blown out. Like, like even then during that winning streak, they were losing by three or four points. Like they were really like close games where like some like there was a couple games where some like second tier. Guy who just like oh I hit seven threes. Mm-hmm. I mean obviously the Knicks defense is letting that happen. Right. But you know what I mean. I with all your stoppers. Yeah. And yeah. nowhere to funnel them to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How's been, how's Jared Smith been? I've only seen him a he's, little bit. He's he's I mean he's coming off a of knee surgery, so mm-hmm. like he's getting better. It was like a minor knee surgery. I mean he didn't like blow out his. Knee. No 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 no. It was just like it was, it was a like procedure. A schedule. Yeah, it was a procedure. He missed and then he missed the first five games of the season. Right. For a pot for, violation. For <laughs> This guy. <laughs> oh, uh, I love it. Like, oh, uh, whatever. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Like the, Am I the, depressing you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like both teams. Like, you know, it's like, oh, and, you know, the well, there's a, good news is there's a really loaded 2014 draft class. Oh. Dude, don't even We get, talk we to, get to start on the third pick of the pack. Like, yeah. you disconnect. Like, both of our teams are disconnected for the first two. Yeah, exactly. They just get random. Congratulations. Picks. You've made yeah. the top eight. And oh. mine goes till 2017? Yeah, the 28. Billy, like, King we're might, all in here. Billy King might legitimately be the worst GM. Like, this this could be one of the most disastrous. Like, they're paying the luxury tax, which is absurd. An $80 million luxury tax, right? right? It's yeah. just the most absurd thing ever. And that's, of course, in, in excess of the cap. And on top of it, if we don't have a successful year this year by the end of it, like this, th- those two guys are going to be a year older. The rest of the team is fine, but both of the Celtics are going to be like sure. very limited minutes. All three. What, what, what Jason Terry are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, he hasn't been getting minutes uh, oh, okay. too much. But 
I'm fine with that. Good F that guy. Yeah, he was weird. You know, I, he's from Seattle. Yeah. So I kind of have it. He has a soft spot. But when I got him, I, I remember you telling me that. You were like, I hate, I hate that guy. And I, I hate like, him more than know, Kevin Garnett. And I hate Kevin Garnett. Yeah, you and I probably just have similar tastes when it comes to that kind of thing. I just can't stand either of those guys. <laughs> and it's pretty annoying having him on my own team. Yeah. 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 yeah the, I mean, I'm like, I was prepared at some point. I was just like, like, you know, I realized at some point there was a commercial on ESPN where they talked about, like, you know, like, Nick fans, like, you know, your Nick. Then, like, if the Knicks traded for Reggie Miller, how you'd be like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> you sure. know, Reggie Miller, the most hated. Like, everybody hates him, yeah, but you're, you're like, come on in. Yeah, <laughs> like, do do right. what you did to us to them, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's pretty, I think the Knicks I thought that's how it would be with KG for me, though. Yeah. I thought, okay, I'll have the bad guy on my team, and I'll like him, and I don't. The problem is you have, like, I, I just miss Reggie. Like, I, I, I think the thing with that team is you just need a good coach, and Jason Kidd, is so are you pulling the trigger on he sucks like yeah, he's still early he sucks he sucks he doesn't have what do you like, think is a reasonable time for a, a non NBA coach I think right to become now, a decent think, coach oh, oh you know I, I mean like because it's I think, early dude. I think like, you need to give I think, him a little break I think you need like three years on the bench with an awesome okay. coach yeah instead of being on the floor yeah yeah like I think there's a chance Jason Kidd's gonna play the, I like I think. He's been apparently practicing. Like, they could, I've, I've seen him practice. They, they, they have shown him. They could play or coach shots, him. I'm telling you. I think those days are over. <laughs> it's possible. Lenny Wilkins style. But, yeah, I don't I don't think that'll happen. But it's definitely possible. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, I, I'm getting there. Like, the thing is, for the first – well, he was suspended for a few games at the NBA. But, <laughs> but, but, you know, for DUI or something. But then after he's back, like, I don't think anybody told him that he was allowed to talk during the game. Right. Or stand up. Yeah, no, he, he just stood there. And he just sat there on the bench, and I'm like, dude, you're not a player waiting to go into the game. You need to get up and yell he, at people. He doesn't do anything. Right. He does now, though. Now yeah, he's been okay. getting up. Now he, well, now he does stuff. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> now no. he, oh, now yeah. he does stuff. <laughs> he went. So, look, just think of it like he's balancing out, right? Yeah. He does nothing, and then he does so much that he actually breaks the rules. <laughs> and now he's kind of evening it back out to be just a normal yelling on the side of the, on the sideline, Coach. Oh. But I'm starting to... I'm not ready to pull the trigger on him quite yet, but uh, I'm getting really, I, I really, think, really I just, nervous. I just think I, I, I believe he has the tools to be a good coach. Mm-hmm. I just think he needs. I, I just think he needs, like you know, put him, like you know, get Jeff Van Gundy in there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Like hire Jeff Van Gundy. Yeah. Make him your coach. Right. Let Jason Kidd study under him for two years, yeah. and I think Kidd would be awesome. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he seems you know, competent. Although all this drama. Makes me really nervous. Yeah. Like, fi- you know, firing the assistant coach, they paid oh, a million yeah, yeah, a year, yeah. and then, like... Not even know, firing him. I mean, like, They're just, just putting him in the mailroom yeah, or whatever, yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like, here, you can open my letters for me <laughs> after, like, being an on, you know? And then just, you know, he just claimed it was a difference of uh, philosophy, but, like, clearly yeah. they had, like, a huge falling out. Well, then, huge falling out, and I think the players were looking to Lawrence Frank. Because he was a former because he was head a coach. coach. Who, yeah. who had success with that with franchise. With the Nets, which is a little awkward. <laughs> right? And, as J- and, and with Jason Kidd and with as Jason his Kidd. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe not the best situation there. But, yeah. I mean, they seemed good with it to, to lead in. But Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. A, it's a cluster, though. Yeah. This whole thing. Is, this we season just, stuff. We need to find a bar at some point tonight and just go watch Nick's Cavaliers. Yeah, we can go to my that, house. I've, be, got, I've got NBA okay. League Pass. That'll be a shit show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we can make fun of Mike's Cavaliers. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and we can draft. Yeah. Like modern Masters. This, this all sounds good. Do you, uh, what, what's, uh, all right, so, I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk to you limited a little bit. Okay, sure. Okay, so we are fully thorough, fully emerged, mm-hmm. right? Like, we yep. know this inside and out. We do. What's, 
what's the deck? What's your your top eight? You've put, you've you know it's a limited PTQ. It's a limited Grand Prix. Uh -huh. You're in the top eight. Like, what's the deck you want to draft? Black green. That's my deck. What? My draft control decks in this format, and the way you draft control decks in this format is by having great cheap blockers and big stuff to finish. And that's so all like, you need. You're like phalanx return phalanx. I'll run them in green black with no fixing. Okay. I just I just slam them. So here's the thing. And this might be personal to me. I hate losing to ordeals. I refuse. I will not lose to one of those stupid ordeals. So all Have my you talked to Randy are, about this? Yes, because he <laughs> thinks they're amazing, and he drafted no, like six of them. But he hates them. He hates them because he thinks that they're not yeah, skilled. Yeah, yeah, but that's just yeah. the, the standard like, right, perspective Randy, of like, Randy comes a from, bad player beat me because of an ordeal, now I don't like it. Randy comes from the old school spike school yeah. of, of play the card that I hate until it gets banned. Yeah, okay, <laughs> sure. Not the, not necessarily works in limited. Yeah, so I don't lose to them. I just refuse. So, you know, uh, Baleful Eidolon? That's a card I have most of on Magic Arts. Yeah, it's really good. That, that's well, my, when we talked about that most early on, right? yeah, like, I love that card. I, was like, I, I, I thought it was second best black common. Mm -hmm. It might be um, first. Sure. Like, I take it over most stuff. I mean, Gary. Yeah. You know, Grey Merchant's very high on that list, uh, obviously. Uh, but Merchant, anyway. Grey Merchant doesn't even feel like a common at this point, though. It feels uncommon. Yeah, because you see it about that with that <laughs> much frequency. Yeah, it's true. But. The, and and, and Grey Merchant is is a nice addition to the type of deck that I like to draft, but it's certainly not right. necessary. Um, uh, Sedge Scorpion's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, card's um, good. You need the bad removal. I know that it sucks to have to play like Sip of Hemlock and stuff like that, but that's that's what we get in but this sick, set. And but you sick, need... Sip of Hemlock's fine. Yeah. Like... Oh, it is. In this format, it's fine. And you need it. But I mean, just remember, like, when you're playing Lash of the Whip, in the draft that you just finished in New York, you could get that for Black Black. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like literal exact effect for two mana instead of five. Right. So, you know, we, you know, the, the removal is significantly nerfed in the format, and it changes things a lot. Now, so for me, like, I want an Asp. What's that? You bought me something to eat. I can give you some change. Can you help me out, sir? Uh, I don't have any change. Sorry. Can I get $3 to get something to eat? Sorry. Sorry, that's all we got, man. Good luck. I blame you. This is all you. Anyway, but, you know, I want, I want Asps. Right, I want I want big. That, by the way, blockers. folks, that was former limited resources co-host Ryan Spain. <laughs> He's fallen on hard times since. And I stonewalled him. <laughs> You're like, sorry, sorry, no. man. I got a roll of quarters, but no. Could you, sir? Could you crack a pack? No, <laughs> no, no, no. I can't. <laughs> by the way, I just went to Starbucks. <laughs> he did. We're definitely in Seattle. Oh man, yeah. By the way, we're we're in eye shot of like three Starbucks. Yeah, I think. yeah. <laughs> Just FYI, yeah. But anyway, that, that's the kind of deck I want to play. Um, I also have been drafting a lot of black blue, um, similar black simil black blue. That, that's that's similar that, that Billy Jensen's been advocating. Right? Mm, like, I I don't know. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I love that deck a lot. Uh, if I'm not going to draft one of those type of decks, I go hard in the other direction. Heroic. I you know the deck that that I like. The most out of those heroic decks is your deck, is the blue-white deck. Yeah. Yeah, that's the BDM deck. That's the one where, when we were drafting in Albuquerque, and and I opened uh, <laughs> Battlewise Hoplite, and... Four seats away from me. Four seats away from you, and I'm standing there, and uh, somebody was standing behind me, and I'm, like, looking... No, so, so I open up, I take a red card, and then... Or, no, I take Battlewise Hoplite, and then, and then and I'm like, well, maybe this will come back. And I don't take, so I don't take it. I take uh, Voyages End or some really good card yeah, over yeah. it. And I look over and I see BDM. I'm like, okay, so that's not going to come back. And then you're in some other colors when we get it, and it's sitting in your sideboard or whatever. And it's like, yes, it did not make it through the BDM filter. But honestly, you know, you put a stomping on me when we were 
in uh, Dublin with that deck a couple times, and I was just like, God, that deck's good. You yeah. know, it's just so, like, the tools are there for an excellent, excellent like, deck. Like, the thing is, if you can get, like, the Voyage's End and the uh, the God's Willing, uh-huh. like, you I, know. I see the, uh, <laughs> I see a little car that gives people tickets. Oh, so okay. Walk back to <laughs> <All> right, <laughs> I, like, you get the God's Willing, and you get, like, you know, just a couple of, like, tempo cards, mm-hmm. like, whether it's a Voyager's End or a Griptide or... Yeah. Like, you just... You get to do so much, like, early damage, protect your guy. It feels like... You know, it feels like a, a constructed deck. Yeah, it does feel like that. It does and then, feel like one of those narrow... Right? It's like, if it doesn't come together, then it, it usually fails fair, quite miserably. But once it does... Yeah. Like, you just feel bulletproof. Right. And once you do two things to a Battlewise Hoplite... Yeah. Like, you've scried twice. Right, you've scried twice on top of the fact that you have, like, a 5-5 five five or yeah. whatever. Yeah, favorite hoplite's my favorite. Oh, that's your guy? That's my guy, the one drop? Uh-huh. I can't pass that. Yeah, I think that card's really good. It's it's interesting. When I first saw it, I thought it was just okay. Then I played against thought it was really good, and now I just think it's pretty good. Like, it's still just, like, the the turn of, like, turn one hoplite on the play, and then, like, an ordeal is, like, nearly unbeatable. Um, because you can just keep like that's one of the few ways you can get past my my beloved death touchers in the format. Sure. You know you can just cast something on it and attack and then and then you know you. Uh-oh. Lose. I think you might be getting a ticket. Oh, I am. <laughs> <laughs> but are, are, how long did you put in for? Twenty-two minutes. Oh no! Minutes oh no! I don't know how long. I think we've been about. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we've been talking for almost an hour. We have. Yeah, but we started it before. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Oh wait, maybe not. Oh, no. It's a close one. <laughs> there right. is a uniformed man standing behind my automobile. So This could get interesting. Now, if you, if you punch him, I'll come back for you. <laughs> Unless, of course, he's already written everything. Yeah. Down. All right. Yeah. So, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to circle around him. I'm going to say... You know, that there's, like, some sort of, like, sex crime around the corner. Yeah. And he needs to come and do it, and then you drive away. You know what he's going to say? He's going to say, I- I'm just parking <laughs> I'm just, enforcement. Just, yeah, sorry. They don't give me a gun, sir. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds scary. I'm just going to stay here and continue this. I don't see a white piece of paper on my... Uh, no, I don't either. Uh, I think it, but he's definitely standing there. He's, he's clocking you. Dude, is he, dude, do you think he looked at it and saw that it was, like, a minute away and it's just going to... Like count me down on the spot. I think you're count. Oh, I think yeah. I think you are getting counted down. Oh yeah. He's this nailing, is he's nailing me. How how are we doing on time? You have no idea. I have no idea. Oh no! Oh, now he's waving no. at somebody else. Oh wait, that's not you. No, oh, no, I know that person. Oh, this is the car in front of you. Yeah, but no, no, we, but that just pulled in. Oh okay. Yeah, we were looking at my car before. This is very exciting. Yeah, this. <laughs> we got some drama here. Let's try to sneak by. We're good. <laughs> All right. Yes. <laughs> oh, you already printed it out. Oh. It was getting ready to be 150 on the I'm not going to tell you. Thanks. <laughs> Did you hear that? I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> but you already got the ticket. But I already got the ticket. All right, let's, oh. see, let's see what the damage is here. What do they hit you for here? I don't know. Probably 40, $47. That's not too bad. Yeah, it could be worse. That's like that. parking in Manhattan. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's just the base price. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if you get a refund for what I paid for the parking. <laughs> no, I guess I, I got my 20 minutes or whatever out of that. Oh. I don't like that guy. No. <laughs> He's like, sorry, sir. I've already printed this ticket out. That's what he said. And then, and then he just had to like, he, he had to give you false hope by like chatting up some hobo. Yeah, well, and then, but the thing is, I was trying to get in and, and, and sneak away. Right. And then the hobo's like, hey, is that your car? And I'm like, <laughs> yes. He's like, he's giving you a ticket. I'm like, come on, man. Like, give me, give me a fighting chance. <laughs> so we just got trolled by a hobo. <laughs> to the you should have given him money. Yeah. I wish I could just pay on the spot. This is the hard part for me. I don't care about the money as much as, like, I have, to, remembering I to, have pay. to write things down. And, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. That's the worst. Like, you could, I mean, you know, there is a system in New York where you can pay on the spot. It's called bribery. It's called bribery. Yeah. <laughs> can I just give you 50 bucks and have you mail this for me? Man, we don't even, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah, we don't even jaywalk here, man. Yeah, that no, I know. not going to fly. I mean, although we had jaywalking on the podcast. We did. We, we witnessed jaywalking. And maybe a little more here. So we're going to go meet uh, Rashad and... Uh, yes, we are going to go do that right now because it's going to take us a little while to get there. Awesome. So we're doing all sorts of secret preparations for the Pro Tour in 2014. Yeah, we'll just call them secret meetings. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what Rashad was saying last weekend. What are you guys doing in Seattle? Oh, meetings. Meetings. <laughs> yes, we're definitely not wearing makeup right now. No, that's... that's <laughs> And we certainly didn't learn how to put it on today. That's, if, if you heard that, it was a vicious rumor and a lie. This is a place where I can go. It is. So what, what, are you, uh, what are you looking forward to next year on the Pro Tour? This is like your first year on the Pro Tour. It was, yeah. This is my first, the first stretch I started in Barcelona, and now I'm used to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that's the thing is that there's a, a ramp up period when it comes to doing this kind of stuff that oh it'll you know, it's it's hard. I mean right. it's a it's a it's a learning curve right. for sure. Well, but think, now I'm like comfortable. I think the learning curve is exemplified by someone like Seth Manfield. Mm -hmm. Right? Like Seth, some guy guy you saw in the top eight. Yep. Hey, this guy who's been around for a few years and his name has popped up. He's done well in a couple of Grand Prix. He won in the past. two GPs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh you know, it's like part of that learning curve is like, who are those people? Right. right? Exactly. You know, who who are the Seth Manfields, the David Sharfmans before Sharfman? Uh, you know, one. Yeah. Well, yeah. Wins. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that's that was a huge one for me because, uh, you know, I, I try to take that seat when we're when we're doing the coverage, right? I'm the guy that like uh, I'm the everyday guy, right? Like I'm I came back to Magic much more recently than most people who who are involved in. And, uh, and I'm fine with that. Like, I think there, there's room for somebody who, you know, uh, is a little more on the inquisitive side of it than on the, uh, you know, just like, well, I know all these people, I know all this stuff, and, and yeah. I'm used to that. The cranky old know-it-all side that I like to occupy? Yeah, you know, <laughs> so, so I've, you know, so for me, I'm, I'm fine with that, but it is really nice because all the events that I've done, I know. Right. Right, so now I can see people and start snapping stuff off because I'm like, oh, I was... You know, this guy top aided blah, 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 GP that I worked, you know? And that's such a huge gap between just, like, seeing a name on a piece of paper and being like, I don't know. Right. You know, I have no... Like, because, like, Rich can do that. He can right. do that for just everybody. You know, right, just right. snap off everybody's entire tournament history <laughs> with just, like, a blink, you know? And, uh, yeah, so it's been... 
It's been great, but looking forward, I mean, <laughs> Greg asked me this, our, our boss. He's like, well, what, which which location are, are you looking forward to going to? And I'm like, Portland. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like two hours away from where we're at right now, yeah. where I live, and it's like my own time zone and all that stuff. Yeah. And like, man, that, that's the thing that it's hard to, to quantify. It's just that like... The, the jet lag and the travel and all that stuff adds up to how the production ends up coming out. And, like, I'm pretty bolstered against it now, so it doesn't really, you know, destroy me or anything. But, like, man, just being, like, in your home time yeah. zone and getting to do work like this, you feel so much better. I, I used to, bef I mean, back before it was video and it was, like, mostly just text. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely was in, like, the place you're in right now where mm -hmm. it was, like, every weekend doing a GP. Yeah. I felt like. Or, you know, there would be these runs of, like, okay, I'm going to go to... Japan. From Japan, I'm going to go to Hong Kong. Uh -huh. From Hong Kong, I'm going to come back, spend a day at home, and then go to Philadelphia. You know what I mean? Right. Like these three-week runs or four-week runs of events. And it, it takes its toll. Oh, man. that I feel like you could measure that in years taken off of your life. Yeah. Like those those particular ones will get you pretty good. Yeah. But but at the same time, I mean, it's it does also give you an appreciation for what the players are going through because Absolutely. you know what as crazy as it sounds for us to do it mm -hmm. and to get paid to do it right you know and you're still like oh man i don't know if it's worth it you know blah 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 you know to get right. you know to you know essentially you know a a money finish at each of those events right <laughs> there, there are players who are doing that you know there's chris calcano right right who's just gonna go to all of those events and is is really chasing you know not necessarily chasing platinum. I mean, obviously he is, but I mean, he's chasing, locking up his next queue, his next spot, his next, right? you know. His next plane ticket. Yeah. You know. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. And, and it really gives you an appreciation of that. So who, who are you looking forward to? Like, who are some people that you, uh, is there anybody you think, like, this is a guy who next year I'm going to keep an eye on. Is there anybody you have your sort of sight set on? Yeah, well, so so one of the things that you'll see in the, in the way that, that, that things are, are set up currently is that you need to have a really excellent year to get on the train, right? And it's pretty hard these days for somebody who's an unknown to come out and get to that status. And, you know, Neil Oliver's a guy that, that won Grand Prix Las Vegas and then got second to Huey at Grand Prix Oakland. Right. And has strung together two very, very solid finishes there. And, like, these are the guys now that I look at and I'm like, are you the next blank? Like, are right, you the next right, guy right. that we're going to see? You know, uh, the next Alex, Alex Hain. Right. Right, that was kind of somebody who was around and now wins GPs occasionally and has won a PT, right? right, right. So, like, he's one of the guys that I'm looking for for that. Um, there's quite a few that are, you know, on that bubble. Like, Calcano's one that you mentioned, who who I really, uh, like, I root for personally. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just, I, I just like him. So, he's an awesome guy. Yeah, because he's just, like, a really good dude, and, and I, I just want to see him do well. Um, and he has. I mean, you know, he certainly kept up on everything so so he's somebody for sure um and then as far as like we talked about huey before yeah and man i would just love to see huey put up a big pt finish i mean we've seen him do well at gps he finished second <clears throat> last weekend and he he also won oakland, won oakland. so yeah. you know like he's there's no there's no question about his his play skill currently and and you know whether he deserves to be anything like he, he's every he's exactly where he should be but still there's something different about the Pro Tour. You know, it just it is just that full next level up that you just... I didn't know that 
you know, you know that that's that's kind of one of the things that, that's been interesting for me is to see how pro players uh, view different tournaments. Because for me, I'm like, oh, it's a GP, it's a PT, like whatever. They're all just big, sweet magic tournaments. If you win one, it's really hard, right? Right. But that's not how the pros view it at all. There's the PT, and then there's other stuff, <laughs> you know. And I'm not saying that they don't take GP seriously because they do, and they certainly <clears throat> give respect for people that do well at GPS. But it's not the same as a no, no. It's, it's not. The, it's not, not the same amount of preparation. It's not the same amount of secrecy. That's in right. In terms of, in terms of, you know, like what deck you're going to play. Like, I mean, you talk to someone like Sam, you know, and like they they spend, you know, those guys spend two weeks in a castle in uh-huh. Dublin, uh-huh. Team Star City Games, right. preparing for that pro tour. That's right. Right. But like, there's a GP every weekend. Right. And you can't, you know, you can't spend that same kind of time it rewards a different skill set as well you know another guy and i mean his name is is everywhere these days but it's owen owen turkwald like I, yeah. he, he has he has emerged now as you know one of the best players playing he, billy billy jensen says he's the best player in the world yeah he does and he says that consistently and he has for a while and he, he said that before he won back-to-back gp he did yes and he and, and then once he did that he's like see and but for me uh i just i love the owen story because well, interesting story. So he's he Owen Turnwald was the first person I ever interviewed in the booth. I remember that, and it was brutal. Like his, you <laughs> he know, murdered like, you. Yeah, he's just like staring at me. And he's looking at me he like he wants me, to. He kill gave me. you the full full on hovey. Yes, he did. He hovied me a bit. By the way, I've watched that multiple times now. I, I cannot. I, I find that like deeply hilarious. But anyway, you know. But but I mean, I, I got through that interview, and I just remember thinking, like, I wonder if he's mad. You know, like what what the deal with this guy is, because I had never really met him. Sure. And then over the course of the last couple of years since then, like I've gotten to know Owen, and like not only is he a really nice guy, he really is. He's also very funny. I mean, he can be snarky and all yeah, that yeah. too, but like I I kind of like that. He's he's also pushed his game up to an incredibly high level. And the thing that I'm looking forward to for the next one, because everybody knows how good he is, is I just want to see if he's going to have like his like because he's potentially entering his prime right right you know we talk about that for sports yeah uh, all the time for for basketball players and stuff i mean owen is a you know a 26 year old basketball player now he's not actually 26 in real life but you know like this is he's in lebron where where lebron's at right now where it's like he has he's gonna start to to hit those things where he's like really putting up results consistently at the highest level he got the monkey off his back by winning a gp and then just did it again the next weekend and then on top of it he top eighty a pt so you know he doesn't have anything else to prove as far as like check boxes go so now it's just up to him to just dominate right just destroy the world you know right. and uh and it seems like he has all the tools he's got the right testing partners and uh, he seems to be in a really good place mentally to do it as well and i'm really curious to see if he can just continue just that devastation that he's really put down at the GP level, at the PT level. Right. For me, for me, the guy is Ari Lax. Oh yeah. Ari, Ari is like right at the top of the list of where Owen was last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Most pro points, no top eight mm-hmm. uh, at the Pro Tour. You know, he's got he's got lots of success at the GP level. Just won the Legacy event, and he's someone who's been really trying to like solve that team dynamic. Uh-huh. You know, like, how do I compete with Channel Fireball? Right. How do I compete with Team Star City Games? Yeah, because it has not worked to be the guy that says, I'll just call up some of the people that are cute and test with them. Right. That has not been enough. Right. And uh, and Ari, Ari's got, like, 
some stuff in the works for his team for this next coming upcoming pro tour. Okay. He's got like, you know, I, I think uh, I don't I don't know if everything's been sorted out yet, and so that'll that'll all come out as as we get closer to the event. Mm -hmm. But he's someone who, I, I honestly, I mean, he he's just when you talk to him about magic, mm -hmm. he's so insightful. Yeah, he really is, and so like crisp and just understands it and like could have easily top aided two pro tours was you know playing for platinum and a top eight mm -hmm. at his last pro tour uh -huh. last season um so yeah i think i he's someone that i'm watching for and like say in the same breath as owen sam black yeah is a guy just height of his power he is he, he's the same thing he's entering his prime here of his career where he can I mean, his could go for a very long time. Like he's a lifer, right? And I mean, and Owen might might as well be, or might be as well. But I mean, Sam, absolutely hitting the crest. Here. Here's what's weird for those guys, though. They're almost capped out on GP finishes. Yes. How weird is that? That's getting ben a little Stark, awkward. Ben Stark, Owen, and Sam. Mm -hmm. I think all have to top eight a GP. Just to improve. Just to just to just to make a dent. I mean, do they even bother still going? Sam Sam said he probably wouldn't have gone to Dallas. Or I don't even know if he ended up in Dallas. He, he, did, he didn't. He didn't end up. Okay. But, he had a ticket. Yeah. But he probably just got like, yeah, I'll, okay, I'll, I'll get bumped. Fine. Right. Um, you know, but wouldn't have booked Dallas had he known. So it's, it's, it's getting tricky. Yes, it is. Yeah, you know, Ari's a really interesting case, too. Uh, I, I really like you picking him. We were talking about it in the booth. And, uh, and JVL was like, you know, Ari's been a, like a, a constructed specialist, you know? And I'm like, actually, like, won a limited GP and also made the finals of the team limited GP. Like, right. Ari's a double threat. He yeah, plays he both does. sides of the ball in a big way. I don't, I don't think, I honestly don't really feel like, I feel like the limited specialist, constructed specialist lines have just been demolished by the nature of the Pro Tour. Okay. Right? Like, well, that's actually why I was wanting to say, like, really yeah. to look out for him yeah. because... He's not somebody that just sits at home and drafts right. all day. Can, and he can just we grind can we clips. really say Ben Stark limited specialist anymore? Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. I mean he obviously is. He is, but so what he says is, look, when it comes to like making the decks and stuff, I would rather concentrate on on helping to break the limited format down for my teammates. But with proficiency with a deck, I mean he's world class. Right. Yeah. Which seems pretty nice, you know. <laughs> it must, must be nice to be Ben Stark, but uh, just shows up Top eight's another GP. He didn't even really need yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. You know, in this last weekend. Yeah. And the, the other two, the other, just Jeremy Dizani is someone, like, it's easy to, to sort of overlook someone who won a pro tour. Uh-huh. You know, like, I think when someone wins one pro tour and you've not heard of them before. Yeah. You're like, ah, got lucky. You kind right. of assume, well, but I mean, you do kind of assume that the stars aligned and that it doesn't necessarily mean that he's like a world beater at magic. Right. right? But. But the thing that's interesting is coming into that event, he had the best like standard win percentage on the Pro Tour. Oh, is that right? Yeah, he had like some insane like no, over no, the last no. two years. Like, huh. You know, Richie done one of his stat runs. And, uh huh. Yeah, he's just had like a seventy percent winning percentage in standard events or something like that. You know, he's, he's obviously a guy who who knows his stuff and has that team infrastructure. Now. Mm -hmm. You know, the the, the team revolution. Yes. And that's definitely the team to watch going forward. And I'll, didn't Dizani also top eight uh, Vienna? Yeah. Yeah. So these guys, you know, they get on a heater. And uh, we, we you, you see that a lot in tournament 
uh, games that people, for some reason, tend to string together victories or, or great finishes. Right. It's really weird. Well, it shouldn't matter, but for it, some reason it seems to. It shouldn't matter, but sometimes it matters to your opponent. Oh, they're like, crap, I'm playing against Pro Tour champion Jeremy Dazzani. Sam, Sam Black talked about that a little bit. I did an interview with him uh, this this past week in my column. You know, it's just mm -hmm. like, okay, you know, you've just done all this and you've gone from, you, know, you came into the season 25th on the Pro player rankings. Uh -huh. You're up to, what, 8th now? Uh-huh. Like, how does that happen? What happened over the course of this? What does that mean? You know, it's like, is it cool? Or are you just kind of utterly analytical and you're like, yes, I've proceeded to place these kind of finishes and therefore my mathematical formula, yeah. you know, <laughs> or, or do you care? And he's like, look, I know it's, it's silly. It's right. It's not, it's not predictive of how good I am compared to other players, but it's nice. Yeah. It's fun to see. Um, it's cool to show to my mom. Uh-huh. And it's pretty cool when it intimidates my opponent. Yeah. <laughs> Which, that, that is interesting because that's a real thing. You know, uh, you know, Sam Black's always, always likes an edge. Uh, and so, you, you know, I think that, that when, you, you know, a player gets on a heater, you know, you, you go into round 15 of a Grand Prix and you're playing Owen and he's won his last two GPs. Mm -hmm. You, you, you know, you really need to not let that get in your head. Yeah. Because, I mean, you've, you've, you've had to have had this happen where you play someone and you know that that person's better than you. Yep, I certainly have. And it affects you. It does. It affects your decisions. It does. You it... question your decisions. Yep. Right? And, like... It was interesting because I, I, I that interviewed... Is the, that is a stark reality for most players. Yeah. Sure. And, you know, I, I, I the previous column I read to the Sam Black column is I, I had interviewed Owen after winning his first GP. Uh-huh. And then just ran it again the next week mm -hmm. <laughs> when he won his second GP. Yeah, and predicted it in the booth with me, by the way. Oh, yeah. I had him in, like, early yeah. in day two, and he's yeah. like, yeah, I'll be back here. Yeah. Just like, okay, <laughs> here he is. He, uh, you know, and he said that... Uh, You know, I mean, if you, you know, you're facing him. You you just know that you need to have your your. I mean, how intimidating is that? You know, I mean, no one is particularly intimidating. Um, and on top of it, yeah, like like you've already got your hands full with Owen. Right. Like he is not going to make a mistake versus you very often. Right. Like so, beyond that, if you're going to start devoting mental energy <laughs> to like, does he think I'm dumb? Right. You know, uh, you know, is he going to go tell everybody right. that I suck? You know, which he wouldn't do. Right. But like, if you start thinking about that, right. like you're dead. Right. And that's and that's and that's what I went to. So I interviewed him, and I was like, so you go into the top eight of Grand Prix DC, and you've got to face Andrew Cuneo and Sam Black in your on your path to the finals. Uh huh. You know, you've already lost twelve times mm -hmm. in the top eight. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, twelve times you've gone to the top eight. 12 times you haven't won. Yep. You know, are you, you know, do you get to that point and you're like, oh, fuck. I gotta <laughs> play Andrew Cuneo and Sam Black now? Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, does that get in your head? And he's like, look. He's like, he's like, honestly, it's easy for that to happen, but, you know, magic's hard enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's like, you can't, you know, you can't just worry about who you're playing as much as just playing your, you know, like time and time again, you talk to top players and I think, you know, just bringing this all the way back around to going to PTQs, like time and time again, the best players talk about not getting tilted, right? you know, not getting too high on your highs, too low on your lows 
And just like you can't care who you're playing against, you just have to play your game. Right. You know, I mean, you have to learn how to, you have to constantly get better. Yeah. Right. You have to learn. You know, if you play Owen and Owen smashes you uh-huh. because well, he made a pack rat every turn in his mono black deck, and you tried to get cute and do something else. Uh huh. You know. Yeah. Then maybe oh maybe you're like oh lesson learned. Let me see what Owen did. Right. Right. You know, and yeah. it goes all the way back to that idea of like people getting lucky. Or, yeah, it's just this weird continuum, right? Because like you want to win. Right. Like you, you're putting a lot of pr- like it's what you want more than anything in that moment. Right. But you actually have to like relieve that pressure from yourself, right. which feels weird because you're like, but I should want to win this, right. right? I should be pushing really hard to try to win this thing, but you actually have to kind of set that on the back burner so that you can set yourself this, up. This almost comes to back to a lot of your play. poker lessons. Yeah, right? it does. It really does because the problem the problem with magic is you just don't get enough repetitions. You do not, and also since it's always different, right. you never quite know. Right, you you just never quite get to know if you were right or wrong. It's kind of all theory in some way. Right. Where in poker that's not the case. Right. Like you you, I mean, like for me, I play and I have an app on my phone and I and I put down every single time I play. If I put a single dollar on the table at any point, it's in that app. Right. So I can look at the stark reality <laughs> of my existence and I can see what happens. And I got to say, if there was something like that for Magic, I would be so happy because. You know, there's times where, like, you get frustrated and you go on a losing streak. And then maybe you tilt off, like, one buy-in. You're just like, screw it, I'm all in, I don't care. And then you lose it and you go home. And when you start looking at your graph and you see those over and over again, you get wise very quickly. That you're like, you just can serve matches and then feel better after it. Like, it doesn't, you're just never, ever going to have success because we see it all the time. I mean, geez, we're always looking at standing sheets, you and I. Yeah. It's one win. It's one game. And you're in the top eight or you're nobody, right? It's like, there is no, like, wiggle room there. You don't get to just be dumb for a minute. Like, you have to just stay on your game the whole time. And those just add up. And they just do. And what happens is, like, if you look at it from a poker perspective, it just drags down your bottom line. You're just losing money. You know, and when you... When you look at it and you look at a year's worth of your stats and you're like, what was this session where I lost? Oh, I tilted. And what was this one? Oh, that's right. I tilted off a buy-in there too. (laughs) And then you look at this one and then you just add it up and you're just like, so if I wouldn't have tilted, I would have X dollars more. Right. That's a very clear thing. Even if I just played super tight and... Yes. Just just folded and left home. Lost two more hands and went home. Yes. Just just sucked it up and said, not winning this time, we're done. Or, Or if you taught yourself... I want to push all in here because I'm frustrated. That means it's time for me to cash my chips in and go home. Yeah, like a trigger. Yeah. Right? Like you're like, okay, no, that's, this is, I have now exceeded, you know, my threshold for frustration and I'm playing poorly. I'm going to go home. The problem is magic doesn't have that. Right. You never, ever get to see it in terms of like, here is a number. This right. is what this cost you. Right? You never get to look at it and be like, well, I would have top eight at two events. It doesn't, that doesn't exist. Or I lost... X games right. due to like you just can't quantify right. it because magic's too complicated and, and too and, and again that small sample size like I think so so here's a question for you I mean again bringing it back to poker yeah so you play poker with a group of friends okay okay you have a Friday nights you get together at a friend's house mm-hmm. you watch some college basketball mm-hmm. you you know everyone brings a six pack and mm-hmm. you know maybe you smoke some cigars and you play poker okay and you crush that mm-hmm. okay. That doesn't mean you're good. It right? means nothing. Right? It means nothing. Yeah. And then you go to the local casino. Mm-hmm. You know, and you play at the, you know, 50 cent a dollar table or something like that. Uh-huh. Like, you know, that's different already than 
playing with your friends. Than your drunk friends, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Significantly uh, different. And then and then and then every sort of level up is also that. And also like playing tournament style versus playing at a table, right? That, that's like it's a different thing. That's really the hardest part. But the sample size thing is is really the number one thing that you said, and it's that basically uh, when it comes to poker, you, you can start to approach a reasonable sample size, but like if you're playing live, it's still really hard to do. Like right. you need so many hands to be. This is another reason you should move back to yes, East Coast, yes, New Jersey live. I, uh, I heard poker. that. Yeah, that is a good one because we do not have it here. I'll tell you that. But uh, but when it comes to magic, yeah, your sample sizes are so so low. Right. And so and low. you can you can really reinforce a lot of bad behavior. Oh God! Do you know what I mean? Like, that's the number one mistake. Like you can make. win with a bad card. Yes. Right. You know. Trust me. That like part of our whole mission statement on limited resources is to fight this mentality. Yeah. Right. And you know we call it the, the main way we call it is is roddy, meaning uh, results oriented thinking. Yeah. R O T. Yeah, yeah. You know, don't be roddy is what we say, and 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 that's because like it's not that you ignore the result; it's that you don't base the the decision doesn't necessarily reinforce the result you want to have decisions not results that's what we say like you focus on the decisions you make them for a reason you logic them out and then the right. results happen how they happen and you just let those happen like you don't right pay attention to that part anymore yeah i, I realized that was going on at some point when we played on a pro tour and a team pro tour mm -hmm. and my teammates were counter drafting cards from me <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> I was like, have a team I was like, I was like, oh, okay. Maybe I should. Maybe, maybe they really think escape routes isn't good. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, all right. So we we got to go to our meeting. Yeah, meeting. Um, but thanks, Marshall. This is this is awesome. Oh, my pleasure. This is a lot great. of fun. Uh, hopefully, I can reciprocate beyond a, a limited oh, resources. Oh, you will. You you're, you're one of like zero people that has a, an open invite. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna start calling and spamming you during while you're you can do while it. you're recording. Oh, no, BDM's here. <laughs> <laughs> He's picking escape routes. Yep. <laughs> I'm Marshall Cyclov. I don't even know what that card does. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you look it up and then you tell me what you think All about right, it. All right, I'll do it. All right, Marshall Cyclov, Brian David Marshall, Copy Magic. Thanks for listening. Bye.